My first question was, I understand that you grew up on a farm as the second youngest of 12 children. Uh, can you talk a bit about that and when you decided to, that you would be a politician one day? Did you know it at that time? I did from a fairly young age because really? my, uh, my mother was what you would now call an activist. Oh, so yeah. she was always involved in campaigns yeah. to change the world. And also, and she, um, her and my father were uh, supporters of the local politician, right. who uh, in the nineteen seventies was as close as you could think was looking like an astronaut. And astronauts were very tall, and <laughs> very tall, handsome guy, yeah. and he was the deputy prime minister of New Zealand eventually. Wow. And I remember thinking I wanted his job. You wanted that job from quite a young age. Wow, that's incredible. And and I understand that you um you became finance minister first before prime minister. You became finance minister in 1999, um, and you talked about then the value of pragmatism versus idealism, and how people just wanted to have their problems solved and didn't want to get embroiled in fruitless theoretical debates, as you called it. Um, can you talk a bit about that ethos and how that really shaped your approach to leadership? It's easy to get very uh, to get quite intense and motivated about philosophical yeah. arguments, right? And and they actually, it's important that someone does that. Yeah. Uh, part of the job of politics, though, is to make actual decisions. Right. You right. can't be in a government and not decide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, add, while it's a task for someone to have the philosophical arguments, and right. in politics there's an ele- certainly elements of that, Totally. Yeah. Uh, the test of it is what decisions you actually make. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even if politicians have no philosophy, they're still going to make decisions. Yeah. And so, uh, I found that people respond, at least in New Zealand, which mm-hmm. is a very pragmatic culture. Yeah, right. Uh, to that people respond well to the idea that you can help them solve their problems. Right. But they also do like some predictability about how you will do it. Okay. How you'll go about your job. Yeah. So in that sense a broad philosophy matters. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to think it's random. Right, completely. Um what surprised you about being Prime Minister? Is there anything about the job that took you by surprise or that you weren't anticipating? I was, even though I'd watched a number of prime ministers oh, right. and had worked closely with three, had, yeah. with three yeah. I was still surprised at the extent to which the, your personality was under scrutiny, mm. uh, but also the extent to which um, it was a, you, you could persuade people, um, win arguments yeah. uh, in a personal sense. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd always function as a politician as part of a team. Uh, for instance, my family, we had kept very much in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even though I'd been in politics for 26 years, years yeah. before I became Prime Minister, yeah. a lot of people didn't know I had we that I had a wife and children because <laughs> I'd never seen them. Wow. Uh, but when you're a Prime Minister, you're not allowed to hide them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, expect to, they expect to see a picture, a bigger picture of yourself. Right, right. Uh, and that was sort of ran against the grain of all my uh, family and um, right. political background, which was always as a, pretty much always as a team person. Completely. And more of a policy wonk. Yeah. And not so much of a, of a personality. So in politics these days has a strong, 
sort yeah. of celebrity element to it. Yeah. And you, yeah. You, have to, you have to go along with that. Right. But I found once we got into the groove of mm-hmm. it, as long as you keep control over yeah. the presentation, that, um, it, and, you know, in the election campaign, it worked very well. People yeah. were pleased to see yeah. uh, more of the whole person and my background right. and um, just sort of displays of conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned your wife and your children, and I understand that at the end of your time as prime minister, you were at, I think, 28 years of, of public service. What was that like for your children to adjust to that and your whole family? I mean, that that's such a long time under public yeah. scrutiny. Well, it is. Look, for a lot of people, a lot of family and people who knew me, it was yeah. a very positive experience, although we had some bad, we had some tough times, right. some bad election losses and so on. Uh, because, look, you know, you realise that um, in... For people around you, you can you you, you represent right. sort of some profile and success. Completely. Uh, yeah. I, I was my parents-in-law were you know migrants, Italian, Samoan, wow. and um, I know it meant a lot to them mm-hmm. to for the family association. They were yeah. very very proud of it. Almost whatever happened, <laughs> and whoever was criticising me, they were wrong. <laughs> you were right there. <laughs> Even though they probably never voted for my party before I married their daughter. So, uh, for my for my children and for my wife, though, it, you know, it's pretty demanding. It's a lot. But often we yeah. used to think it's as demanding as people running a business or um, with families or kids with particular yeah. you know, with special needs or whatever. That's really you know it's really testing. But it is much more public, and I think it's really only since I've left politics yeah. that I've realised just <laughs> how public the failures were, completely, and how public the successes were. Right now, my kids tell me it hasn't ruined their lives. We did <laughs> try and we did try and protect them from politics as much as possible, yeah. but they couldn't sort of help um, right. their interest. But I was uh, very uh, grateful for the long term support of my wife okay. um, yeah. because. That's who's there when everyone else goes. <laughs> and she proved to be a very resilient, um, yeah. supportive uh, person who kept me anchored mm-hmm. and the family anchored right. in real life. Um, right. Because politics isn't all real. Completely. And, and you need that anchor. What was probably the most challenging thing personally for you as Prime Minister? I think, well, one challenge was just the... Uh, the need to be a bit more sort of personally expressive of my personality as an individual Mm -hmm. and realizing you are the the uh, the only one in that slot as Uh prime minister and I spent you know the pre all my time in politics where there was someone else ahead of you know I'd always been senior but there's always been someone else ahead of me yeah so that I found that pretty challenging yeah um and uh I think keeping the balance Mm-hmm. Uh, between my quite strong policy interests right. and the um, just the need for to be able to mm-hmm. maintain intensive mm-hmm. personal interaction with an awful lot of people every day, yeah. which as a finance minister you don't have to do quite the same. Right. And actually, I, str- I struggled a bit right. initially with the respect for the position. Mm-hmm. People just stand a bit further back. Everything's just a lot more better organised, right? Uh, right. And in a way that makes you realise you're fulfilling the role of the important person. <laughs> and that initially, yeah. I felt a bit uncomfortable with that. 
Yeah. But it means so much to the people you're engaging with. Because this is that one time the Prime Minister came to their school. And it's not really about you personally, it's the Prime Minister. Right, right, right. but I, you know, I adapted to it. I got to like it enough that I wouldn't have minded <laughs> keeping on going. <laughs> you mentioned visiting a school, and I know that one of your platforms was um, improving educational equality. Can you talk a bit about what you did on that front? Well, before I became Prime Minister, we'd been working for some time on um, a notion called social investment, which mm-hmm. was the, the idea of getting a basically using data and technology to understand much better what was happening well, right. to the people in government services, right, right, right. including in education. And yeah. in New, Zealand, edu- New Zealand's education system has struggled to make a big difference to the, um, the mm-hmm. socio-economic disadvantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so we were working on you know, re- what, what were kind of not very political, but certainly mm-hmm. strongly... Um, focused technical changes to how yeah. the system ran right. to try and get more resource to the kids who actually needed it. Right. And with the data and technology these days, you can have a much more granular Completely. view of uh, mm-hmm. who needs what yeah. and what works. Yeah. Uh, and I had, you know, was looking forward to implementing that. We didn't quite get the opportunity mm-hmm. to carry it through. Yeah. In terms of who needed what, did you find that you often had to balance the concerns of the native or indigenous population of your country on issues like social services or equality? I had uh, intensive engagement with uh, uh, with Māori, the Māori our, right, our indigenous right. people, um, right through my period in government. Yeah. And I think the way New Zealand has handled mm-hmm. those relationships is as good as anyone does. We've actually got good at managing difference. In fact, I think it's going to become a stri- it's a strategic yeah. advantage for New Zealand that we can handle because we had a long yeah. struggle over these big cultural differences yeah. with, the, with the indigenous people. Right. Then we were able to handle, for instance, the strains of migration because we've had big migration flows. You've had that, yeah. Uh, but it hasn't yeah. been, but it's been relatively settled compared mm-hmm. to the huge impact it's had, say, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to some extent in Australia. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a very special part of New Zealand's identity. Yeah. And any senior politician in New Zealand um, mm-hmm. has to develop the skill set to engage respectfully. Right. Uh, and constructively mm-hmm. uh, with Māori, and that's worked well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of progress. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, looking retrospectively, is there any issue that you didn't particularly take charge on during your time in office that maybe you wish you did? Well, there was some uh, where we did a lot of work that wasn't apparent, you know, mm-hmm. and perhaps... On reflection, a bit you know, a bit more, a bit more attention to the political aspects yeah. of right. of it might have you know communicating um, the extent of mm. the pressures and the change. So mm. the way our housing market worked mm. in New Zealand was uh, needed a lot of change. We mm. made a lot of change. Yeah. The benefits are now flowing through, but yeah. probably wasn't obvious say two years ago. Right, uh, how much was going on? Um, During your time, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and other some of the environmental work we did mm-hmm. was uh, intensive and long-term, very constructive, yeah. particularly around New Zealand, quality, fresh water quality and right. 
is a very important issue mm-hmm. as affected mm-hmm. by urbanisation and intensive agriculture. Yeah. And uh, we created a whole framework there, yeah. but again, probably not as not sort of broadly politically understood. Mm-hmm. But still proud of the work. Yeah. No, I mean, and that, that seems really integral to politics, planting the seeds for trees that will grow later on. And, yeah. You know, well, and sometimes it, planting, you know, the tree is growing. It's just everyone's looking at the other <laughs> The other tree, yeah. Yeah. In addition to that, I wanted to end on um, what advice you would offer to young people thinking about public service or government or politics for a career option. What should they be prepared for? I think um, a couple of things that help a lot. Mm-hmm. One is un- un- really understand the actual system. Right. While there's a lot of theories about what the system is or should be, yeah. the, the uh, people who can understand the system can then use it mm-hmm. to make change. Mm-hmm. And often change doesn't happen because advocates for change don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding the system yeah. is, is, is as important um, as the thing you were trying to change. Right, right. I think that's one. And I think the second thing is just to understand the the intensely collective nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have your own ideas, but in yeah. politics you get to do nothing on your own. <laughs> and often understanding that your friends have a different point of view right. is uh, it can be harder than understanding that your enemies do. Yeah. But, you know, respectfully understanding that it can be a different point of view mm-hmm. from people who live civilised lives, right. uh, I think helps reduce the potential for sort of rancour right. and, and bitterness in politics. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is terrific.